welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom will be continuing to tell his story of how he came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in. And I said to myself, so many pages in this book. Where do you start? I mean, how can I read all these, these pages? Well, you know, when I opened it up, I noticed that there was two parts in the, bo- in, in the book. The first part was called The Old, and the second part was a little bit smaller, called The New. And I thought to myself, well, I don't want anything old. I want something new. So I started in The New. And so I began to read in the book of Matthew, in the first book in the New Testament. And as I read, it was, it was hard going. I thought I was reading Shakespeare. It was the Old English and... But I, and I kept pushing, but I kept searching because, I've, because, I, because inside of me was this drive. I've got a disease. I've got a disease. I must find the solution. God is going to bring the solution to me. And so I kept pushing and pushing along. And it, was, it wasn't easy. And I, I was reading and reading and reading and, oh, so much reading. And, and, and finally, I came to the 15th chapter of uh, Matthew, and here the Lord Jesus Christ was addressing, he was talking about eating without washing your hands. That's a, that was a big deal in my culture, eating without washing your hands. I remember one time in a um, Yom Kippur uh, ser- service in Temple in Los Angeles, the Day of Atonement, when you weren't allowed to eat and you weren't allowed to drink, I remember the plastic bag taped over the drinking fountain in the temple. And I went into the temple and I used the bathroom. And I was, and I was sorry, yeah, and I was leaving the bathroom. And an old man came up to me and he put his stony hand on my shoulder. I'm a little kid. And I, I, I was petrified. I turned around. I thought I was going to look at God. And he, and he, and he said to me, Jews always wash their hands. I always wondered what the definition of a Jew was. Never could get a straight answer. So I thought, well, okay, Jews always wash their hands, fine. Uh, so I, I got to always wash my hands because I'm a Jew, and that's how I keep staying a Jew. I wash my hands. So anyway, to, to, to eat without washing your hands was a big issue, and that was a big issue in Matthew 15 that was being addressed. And what he said here, and I'm just going to read it to you as I read it, In verse 16 of Matthew 15, it says, And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man." I mean, you've got to picture this. I have this disease of internal defilement, and he's talking about defiling the man. And then he says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. I had thoughts. I had the feeling of defilement. And he said, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications. He couldn't have hit the nail better on the head. Thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Oh, I read that and I said to myself, he knows me. He knows me. 
So I had just had an accurate diagnosis of my disease. I had the thoughts, because of what I did, the thoughts trigger the defilement of the heart, succinctly put. So then I thought, well, okay, but that doesn't get rid of the problem, so now what? So I kept reading and reading, and I came, I came, and, and I'm plowing through these, these books here and, and all these pages, and, and finally... I came to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, verse 29, there's a description of a Jewish man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, saw the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, and he was stunned. And he said words, which are recorded here in verse 29, It says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And I read that, and I said to myself, I don't know about the sin of the world, but I know about the sin of Tom Cantor in my heart, and I need that sin taken away. And so if the Lamb of God, who John said was the Lord Jesus Christ, if he can take my sin away, sign me up. And then later on, when he saw him the second time, he said the same thing. He said, behold the Lamb of God. Well, I thought, what does that mean? What does that mean, the Lamb of God? It's an intriguing title, The Lamb of God. And so I I started to think about it, and I remembered that at a Seder service, a Passover time, a Seder service, the spring before, being at my Aunt Mary's house in Cincinnati. Now, Passover is like a Thanksgiving ceremony, and family's all there, and and, uh, we're all sitting around the table there, and I have a little book called the Haggadah, and we read that and, and go through cer- certain, um, certain rituals. And, you know, as some person said, all, it was just a, a typical uh, Jewish festival, uh, as all of the Jewish festivals are the same. The Gentiles tried to kill us. God saved us. Let's eat. And anyway, so I was, we were going through this, and, and um, we'd finished going through the Haggadah and getting ready for the meal. And uh, like I say, the whole family is around the table there, and my wife uh, was there also. And, and you have to picture this. My um, Uncle Pete was, was there next to me. Now, Uncle Pete, if you can kind of create the scene for you, was, was about, he was a very short man. Uh, Aunt Mary was taller than him. Uncle Pete was bald. Uncle Pete had glasses that were, looked like Coke bottles. Uncle Pete smoked cigars, he chewed pistachios, he was a Jewish-looking pharmacist in Cincinnati. And Uncle Pete was totally, totally henpecked. I mean, he didn't get up in the morning and think a thought without Aunt Mary telling him what to think. And so Uncle Pete, his sole enjoyment in life was to irritate my Aunt Mary. That's what he loved to do. And so at the end of the, of the, of the, the uh, going through the book there, the Haggadah, 
and Aunt Mary is getting the cold chicken soup. The chicken soup was always cold because, the, because it went so much time to go through the book. The soup always got cold. Anyways, she's getting the cold chicken soup from the kitchen there, and Uncle Pete looks at me with this glimmer in his eyes, and he goes, now watch this, and he jabs me. And he says something which is absolutely scandalous. He says out loud, with the whole family there, he says, Christians believe Christ was the Passover lamb. <laughs> immediately, my uncle, uh, my Aunt Mary, immediately my Aunt Mary from the, from the kitchen, she yells out, Pete, shut up! And then he gets this tremendous smile on his face. He looks at me like, wasn't that great? Well, what he said, Christ was the Passover lamb, it just lodged in my mind. And I thought, what's that mean? Christ was the Passover lamb. And so I decided that I was going to go back and read about the Passover. So I turned back in the book, all the way back to Exodus 12, and I reread again what happened. And I thought to myself, oh, I must have missed it. I never saw the importance of the Lamb. I saw very clearly when I went back to Exodus 12 that there was going to be this, this universal catastrophe that in every home, and it didn't matter whether it was a Jewish home or an Egyptian home, that in every home there was going to be this catastrophic death of the firstborn, man and animal. And it was going to be horrible, and it was going to be on this one night, and it was going to be the last plague, the tenth plague. Well, I was reading that, but then I saw that God, through Moses, gave a very, very specific and trustworthy way of escape, a plan of salvation from the death that was coming. And so I saw that Moses said, if you don't want the firstborn to die in your home, then listen up very carefully because I'm going to tell you how to avoid it God's way. And what Moses said was that every family must get a lamb. Not a national lamb, not a lamb for everybody, but every family had to have a lamb. It had to be taken out of their own flock. It had to be the best lamb. It had to be the lamb that the family could point to and say, that's my lamb. Everybody in that family could identify with that lamb, and it was personal because it was from their flock. Now, I'd had dog before, and I had a cat, and this sounded pretty traumatic, that I'm supposed to take, like, my dog, my pet dog, or my cat, something like that. And, you know, we, we used to, in our business, we used to have lambs, and, and uh, I remember there was one black lamb one time that we had, and it was really cute, and, and our family was very attached to it, and when it came time to butcher the lambs, and when it came time to butcher the lambs, I remember how... We said, we can't be here. We can't do this. And we put all the lambs in a pen and we called the butcher and we said, listen, we're leaving. And when we come back, we don't want to see any sign of anything. And then after a period of time, you bring us the meat, but we can't know. And especially we can't know which, which lamb was the black lamb. And I remember one time going to the freezer and, and, and opening a package. My wife would open the package and our, our three sons and me were standing there and there was a little piece of black fur on that package. We got, oh, no, and we had to throw out all the meat. Well, this was similar. This was, the, the people were attached. We under, I understood how people were attached to the lamb, the best lamb. 
And Moses said, you get that lamb. And then you watch that lamb for three days. Three days. Three days. At the end of those three days, Moses said, you're going to kill the lamb. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was raised or grew up in relative obscurity. We don't really know very much about the first 30 years of his life. But when it came time for him to present himself to the public, and that's the time when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, he was presenting himself to the public. For three years, the last three years of his life, like three days, but three years, he was very much on public display. He was constantly being watched by friends and enemies. And at the end of the time, he said, which of you convinceth me of sin? And he said that to his enemies. In other words, which of you can point out a blemish, something that's wrong in my life, something where I've sinned? He said that, and no one could say any, anything. As a matter of fact, Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. Well, back in Moses' day, he said, you watch that lamb for three days for one purpose, make sure it doesn't have a blemish. Make sure it's a perfect lamb. Make sure there's nothing wrong with the lamb. And after that, the lamb has been qualified. Fast forward. When the Lord Jesus Christ said, which of you convinceth me of sin, and no one said anything, he knew he was qualified as a lamb of God. Back to Moses' day. Moses says, you take that lamb, and you kill the lamb. We, in our business of making antibodies, we lived with goats, 300 goats, for 10 years. Our family did. I remember the first time, which was also the last time, that I had to kill a goat because it was sick, and I had to put it down. I remember holding the goat. I remember injecting the goat. I remember the life leaving that goat. I remember the warm turning to cold. I remember it all, all too well. And I said to myself at that time, I will never do this again. And I haven't. And even to this day in our business, the people who work with our uh, goats for making antibodies, they can't kill goats either. They have to call the vet. He, Moses said, you kill the lamb. Very traumatic. And then he said, you collect the blood. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. He says, you collect the blood from the animal. And then he said, follow these instructions specifically. He said, because this is what's going to save you. You take the blood, you take some hyssop, like some reeds, and you go to your doorpost, and you take of the blood, and you strike the top, and you strike the two sides in the shape of a cross. And blood is running down from the top and the two sides. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross, his hand, his hand, his head with a crown of thorns, he's there, and blood's running down from this side, and from this side, and from the front. It's running down just like it was in that day, in Moses' day. And blood's running down on the door, he says. And then if you do that, he says, then God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And same thing. When the Lord Jesus Christ is there on the cross, hand, hand, head, blood, the Jewish people standing in front of that could say, could say to themselves, I remember Exodus 12, God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. If he's my lamb, if he on the cross is my lamb, God will pass over me. And so what happened was that 
God did pass over them who put the door, who put the blood there. Now, if you were a Jewish family and you said, you know what, I'm not into killing my best lamb. I, I think I'll just sit in the doorway here. I'll meditate my way through this disaster. Death came. Or if they said, well, I'll kill the lamb. I won't apply the blood to the door. Death came. You had to follow the plan of salvation. God said, this is what you've got to do. I've made a way of escape for you. It's done. Just do it. Please do it. And you know the person who was the most concerned that it was followed? The firstborn. And you can imagine, when the father came back in, the firstborn would say, Father, did you do it? Are you sure you did it? Are you sure you did it right? Because it's my neck that's on the line, Father. Are you sure that you did it? You had to follow the plan of salvation. And the word Passover in Hebrew is the word Pesach. And Pesach is a word that's used today in Israel. And it means exempt. It means skip. For example, like uh, if you have uh, people that are going to go to the army, and let's say they're going to go to the Lebanese front, and, and, the, and the, um, the captain is reading off the names, and he, he goes, uh, you know, Dan, and, 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 uh, and uh, so forth, and he comes down to Moisha, he says, Moisha, and if Moisha is so flat-footed, he can't even run, he would say, oh, Moisha, Pesach. He would mean skip, exempt, you don't go. And that's the word. He says, you don't go. So really, it's a question of, did the family have the exemption or not from the death of the lamb and the application of the blood? So I'm reading all this, I'm thinking about all this, and I'm I'm just to myself, and I'm not discussing with everybody, and we're driving across country from Cincinnati to San Diego, and I say to my wife, I think I'm becoming religious. She's listening. And I said, but you know, and I said, but you know, I can't go to church. Um, I got to go back to where I come from, which is the temple, the synagogue. So we get to San Diego. I call the largest synagogue in San Diego a reformed synagogue, liberal synagogue. I get the rabbi on the phone. I'm talking on the phone. I said, Rabbi, I've been reading what Moses wrote in the book of Exodus about the Passover. He says, stop, on the phone. He says, stop. He says, I have to tell you, I do not believe there was really a literal man named Moses. I'm shocked. I want to discuss what Moses wrote, what God said through Moses. I don't want to discuss whether or not there was a man named Moses. So you know what I did? I said, I'm sorry, I think I've got the wrong number. I'm sorry to bother you. Boom, I hung the phone up. Then I thought, now what do I do? So, I'd found that place in the Sunday paper. So I go back to the Sunday paper. I'm looking. Oh, maybe uh, the other side, the Orthodox. Maybe I, maybe I just really didn't understand it well when I was growing up. And I'll go back to the Orthodox temple. Okay. So I go back to the Orthodox temple. There wasn't really a temple. It was a uh, temple to Ferith that was meeting in someone's home in La Jolla. And so I go there. I listen to the rabbi. Actually, I was the only one listening to the rabbi. Everybody else was talking. It was normal. And at the end of the message, I said to the rabbi, I said, can I have a word with you? Sure, get off alone. I said, rabbi, I said, um, I think maybe Jesus may have been the Messiah. He stopped me and he says, stop. He says, I have to tell you, that's the first time, that's the last time you'll ever say that word again in this place. Tom. The quick rejection of the rabbis to even consideration 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's always surprised me. What do you think of their closed-cased rejection? You know, I face this all the time, and I've given it a lot of thought, and I've wondered We can discuss so many things, and the Jewish people are a discussing type of people. They love to discuss. Conversation is part of their DNA. But there's this one area, this one ground, and when you walk onto it, you know you've walked onto the area that's taboo, that you'd never discuss. And so when I was thinking a lot about that, there's a verse in Isaiah that really captures what's going on. And here, God is speaking about his Jewish people. And in the third verse of the first chapter, God says about his people, the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people doth not consider. That's so interesting, That la- those last words. My people doth not consider. God here is lamenting. He's, 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 he's announcing that he's got bad kids. And one of the things that he says is that my people, the problem with my people is that they don't know, and the, pro- the reason they don't know is that they do not consider, they will not consider. You know, that's the definition of prejudice, a, f- a refusal to consider. If in our business, where we have 650 employees at Scanabody's Laboratory, and if, if we sat down with a prospective employee and said to that employee, you know, you've got all the qualifications, everything, your educational background, it's perfect. Your experience, it can't be beat. You're perfect for this job. Only one problem. You've got the wrong skin color. You cannot be considered. That's prejudice. Will not consider And, you know, I found that as I talk to Jewish people, to rabbis especially, I can talk all I want about how I found peace, how I have security, how I'm happy, how I have purpose in life, and everybody is interested. Oh, that's so interesting. Why? Until I say one word. And when I say that word, and that word is Jesus, I can I can hear the door slamming in their heart. I can feel the rush of wind as the door slams shut. Why? Because a refusal to consider. That's prejudice. That's pure prejudice. So what's my job? My job is to be a prejudice counselor. My job is to get my people, the Jewish people, to get over it, to consider him, to look at him, because I know that when they honestly consider the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the claims that he made from a real honest heart and reach out to him, I know they'll find him. And I know that they'll find him to be God, to be their God, and to be Savior, and to be their Savior. But it all boils down to a prejudice or a refusal to consider. You know, the Jewish people have been victims of prejudice themselves. 
and Jewish people have traditionally always stood on the side of minority rights. So what you're saying is a little shocking. You know, the best way to overcome prejudice is to get to know the person that you're prejudiced against. That's why at Israel Restoration Ministries, our job is to make the Lord Jesus Christ known so that individuals can make their own personal decision to accept or reject him based on knowledge of who he is, what he said, and what he did, and not on a closed case of, I was told to shut the door. Because every individual deserves the right to make their own decision. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom will continue with his life story. If you'd like to learn more about Tom Cantor or Israel Restoration Ministries, visit our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. There you'll find more resources to help you with your friendship with God. Join us again tomorrow at this same time.